0: Welcome this week's guest, Rick Bowling, visual artist and founder and host of the Travel Agency. The Travel Agency hosts casual conversations around contemporary art making, produces art-centered entertainment, and provides digital residencies for emerging artists. I think this is a really interesting conversation around the building of digital communities and you'll also get a chance to learn more about Rick's personal approach to art-making and the future of art. Uh, Rick is somebody who I've known for quite some time. Uh, I think it's been maybe four or five years now since we met. He was working at the the float center and um, because I don't know if you guys might kn- or not know anything about floating, but you go into the sensory deprivation tank and then you come out and you got all these ideas and things are coming out. So. It's a really interesting space to get to know people in, and we just immediately connected over art and the nature of reality and talking about all the things that we're going to share with you today. Enjoy. Talk to you on the other side. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Archives for Aliens, a podcast recorded for future life on Earth, planet Earth, consciousness, creativity, the nature of reality, cool people making things, and life outside the box. What makes you tick?
1: Oh, okay. So I see the card. Um, I think it really reminds me of uh, puzzle pieces just, just right off the bat. Um, so there are a few, maybe four or five almost segmented forms, but it's difficult to really understand where they begin and end. Um, and that does uh, really come to me at a good time. Um, and I can, I can tell you why, you know, why I'm, I think I'm seeing this imagery. So a lot of my recent life has been um, engaged in finding, looking, asking for community and being really interested and surprised by the ways that we interlock together. So I, I do think that that'll probably be a theme that we we discuss through throughout the show tonight.
0: I really like that. So kind of thinking about how human beings can be like the different pieces to this bigger puzzle. Yeah. That's very cool. So I'm going to start by asking you a pretty big question here just Mm -hmm. to to get our night started. And I'm wondering what what do you believe about the nature of reality?
1: Yeah, um, you're right, that is a big question. And uh, thankfully you prepared me for that question a little bit because I think um, as if I don't sound surprised by the nature of that question, it might be why, but um, we can go a lot of different directions, but I think that we can just continue with the analogy just made before of of the nature of things and, and the way that they interlock. And to me, the nature of reality really feels like a a series of like multicolored translucent meshes that overlay imperceptibly over one another and kind of constantly is shimmering, right? But we, when you have like two pieces of fabric and you move one piece of fabric over another, and they're, they're partially see through, you get those like interference patterns that, that emerge from that. I forget the actual name of what they're called, but you know, I think that oftentimes we can be looking at the, the static points in our lives, and it's really important for us to have um, stability at certain points, but the universe itself is always kind of shimmering and, and blowing in the wind around us. Those are the first things that come to mind because I, I feel like the nature of our reality um, oftentimes is there for us to see, but also we aren't. Uh, we're told to look at the world in a way that best creates communion, that best creates community with one another, which can actually be uh, one of the questions that I push against because. The ways that like community forms and and the ways that the meshes of reality interfere with one another, I think have been diluted and distilled and commodified in ways that aren't necessarily helpful. So I think it's important for us to return to understanding and codifying that shimmering reality for ourselves again.
0: I really like this idea of the shimmering it reminds me how things are like constantly in motion and i think that even even by describing something with words to me it seems like it almost like pinpoints it down to the point that it's like not even true anymore
1: mm. yeah it gets far it gets far away from it or it can get far away from it or or the closest we can get to it is by writing poetry like the most inaccurate form of communicating verbally
0: yeah, or making art, which I kind of right. see some of what you were talking about in the, that piece behind you.
1: Oh yeah, um, for those who can't see, uh, this piece behind me is um, a piece I commissioned, or I purchased, it was already made from a local St. Louis artist named Vaughn Davis. And uh, I, he's probably, I don't know, I think he's he's my favorite contemporary painter right now.
0: I really like it it's really there's so many different elements to it and it's like a weird combination of serenity and destruction Mm -hmm. I totally thought it was yours I have to say
1: yeah we're both we're both painters in St. Louis and I think that we find a lot of um, a lot of common ground inside of our work Uh, I no longer work with canvas but um, Vaughn does and Vaughn works with canvas in a very non-traditional way, which I think um, is also very similar to uh, my exploration of materiality. So I can, I definitely can understand that. I did not make it and I probably couldn't because he does a lot of like really amazing, uh, um, just amazing work and and his directness in his work and in his life and personality is is inspiring to me so I'll take that as a compliment my work is a little bit different but I can see I I think that we're coming from the same moment in art history and we're a part of the same lineage
0: I know I saw this really interesting installation piece that you had at the float conference I think rise a couple years ago Mm -hmm. just something about the way you twisted that fabric Yeah. I see a comparison there.
1: That's a good point. And um, that work is actually one of one of the few installation works that I've done, but also gets to this idea of kind of that uh, that mesmerizing shimmer, um, because that piece was made of uh, a hundred foot long strip of pink tulle which is the fabric um that they make tutus out of so uh and it was pink like a tutu um so then it was it was stretched across uh probably like a 60 foot wide um 40 foot tall gap in the donald danforth plant science center and it um it hung like a like a u like a large uppercase u Um, and and I think that, yeah, from from the fabric perspective, like it was it had its own, even though it like was so slack, like, at that size, even the weight of the fabric itself, like, begins to stretch it and it was layered over one another. So it, it also was kind of this, I I, I don't know, it's, it's funny how this connects so quickly and easily. But these two fabrics were like moving and, and shimmering over one another.
0: Yeah, that's so super interesting. For that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I didn't realize that was so connected to my uh my view on the nature of reality.
0: I I definitely see linkage there. So you do you paint and you do installation art. What what do you consider to be your main medium or do you not have one?
1: Um the my work right now is Finding a bit of a rhythm. So, I consider myself a painter and I work out of this like vague um, description of like what a, a painterly mark is or what or how you make something in a painterly fashion, even if the object itself isn't painted. Um, so, that installation at, at Danforth. Uh, I consider that like a painting Um, but so that gets confusing as far as terminology goes (laughs) but um, the the space that I'm really finding a groove in with my work right now are is this um, series I've been engaged with in some ways for all my life and we can get into that if we want to but for more specifically about a year and a half and these are um I use enamel car paint. So uh, everybody's car is painted with a particular type of paint called enamel. And those are the types of paint that I use. And I spray these paints either with a can or with a paint gun, um, which is just a big spray can that you have a lot more control over, uh, similar to an airbrush, you know, a large paint gun on uh, treated aluminum surfaces. And I layer um, different colors of enamels in different coats. And then I use, um, I sand through them by hand or by machine to reveal uh, up, into, up until very recently abstract uh, fields. And then more recently, I'm using um, a series of, or a a method of decaling to create paint masks to bring in um, imagery from popular culture and then sanding through these different layers to reveal and to obscure parts of these uh, colors, color fields now, as well as these branded items, these brands, these bumper stickers Uh, things like that and then when they're finished kind of the most important part of the work is a clear coat and um, and then I sand and buff and wax and polish that clear coat until it has a a reflective shine.
0: There we go with the shimmering again (laughs) (laughs) and the layers.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's
0: that's so interesting. I, I feel like that question it oftentimes does explain a lot about what people are are doing if they're somewhat aware Mm. or contemplative of these things it's interesting
1: yeah so i think like maybe you understand this the thing that comes to my mind is if i'm making work like about the nature of reality proper sometimes it feels a bit much for me sometimes it feels a bit overwhelming so i i don't typically and you may be completely different i'd be curious to know but i don't typically start with like my view of like the fabric of reality. Um, I usually start with like making, and then I find myself getting back to this same place over and over again. Um, Because if you're like, hey, Rick, you wanna go down to your studio and uh, make a piece about the fabric of reality? I can tell you it probably wouldn't ever get made (laughs) because I'd just be like pulling my hair out. Um, and it would look nothing like, like what a real, authentic, uh, creative object is that comes out of my studio. I think that's interesting.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally know what you mean. I think I, I have kind of, I haven't, I, I guess I haven't tried to make work about the nature of reality because uh-huh. that sounds like such a headache. Um, yeah. But my paintings are about some of that existential quest or angst or the thing that I'm trying to uncover. So it like inevitably like keeps like emerging. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I feel like it emerges authentically. And then later I'm like, oh, well, that's because I was thinking about this, but it would be.
1: Yeah, I don't. Weird.
0: Yeah, not weird.
1: I think it would (laughs) be, yeah, headache. I think a headache (laughs) is like a good, a good way to go about it. It's like, it's like uh, staring at a chessboard and trying to, run through all of the options of the way that the game could go before you like begin to make moves. Um, Like in my light chess playing, I try to make like seven reasonable moves in the beginning before I start really fretting over anything, because you can't, you can't like start fretting that early to the beginning.
0: Yes. That is such a good analogy for like more, intuitive type of painting mm. I love that I'm gonna yeah, remind I, myself of that
1: I see your I see your work also a hundred percent ever since we kind of first connected about painting as being like about some sort of nature of reality and in in some ways like we could make the argument that everything is but but like your work is is definitely more dealing with the this like crisis of being conscious
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've I've never put those two together but that's a good description thank you thank you for that one
1: yeah for sure
0: so Do you want to talk a little bit about what you're doing with the travel agency? I'm really, I'm really interested to learn more what you're doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to talk about it. It is, um, an organization that I formed, uh, who, when about a year, year and a half ago, um, the beginnings of, it was the beginnings of the organization, but what it's doing now, I think there's a lot of different things that we can talk about, but um, basically I have a, uh, an organization that is soon to be a nonprofit called the travel agency. And uh, the name doesn't explain what it is at all, you know, but I think um, I, I had this idea of a, a traveling group critique where uh, artists would pool funds together to purchase time from, um, impactful contemporary artists in St. Louis and beyond to like critique this group of work that these artists were making. And I wanted to call that the travel agency where, you know, 50 artists could be a member and then we could pay like a Daniel Arsham to come in on Zoom and like talk about everybody's work or pay somebody that has like a way different perspective on the height of contemporary artwork to um, help people with their work. and and for some reason, I just wanted to name it the travel agency. Uh, Not, I don't, I'm not even really sure why, but I just really liked that name. And, and as the idea kind of grew and changed, it changed so much that the name became really important because like travel agencies are something I remember from my childhood, like commercials, or you'd see them in a storefront. Um, And like the promise of like a travel agency of what that used to be for people in like a pre AOL, <laughs> like world, um, you know, a pre like, you know, smartphone world was you'd go to this place and inside that place would be an expert on a wide variety of different places that you could travel to, to, and then they would like caretake you, in experiencing a new place or a new culture in a way that like was effective. Um, So you you could compare like your experience going to, I don't know, Barbados with like just getting on a plane and going to Barbados and getting off and like looking around to going to a travel agency speaking with somebody about Barbados, them giving you like an itinerary, them booking a, a hotel for you, a flight for you. And then you go on that experience. And I'm sure most of the time, I'm sure there's some horror stories, um, but most of the time that is a much better experience and there aren't travel agencies anymore. So I wanted to kind of re, re, uh, reclaim the name for posterity. And the way that we're reclaiming it is through a... Um, an artist residency uh, focused on a a digital artist residency, uh, focused on giving artists the tools, the expertise and the professional guidance to create their own live content, live video content from their studio or from their art practice as a whole. So this work can be like process oriented work and it could be and or it can be like performance-based work. Um, And in the past uh, two months, we've begun piloting the program with um, some resident artists and the travel agency uh, gives them guidance on creating live shows specifically for Twitch. Um, And what we also do is... uh, you know, for people who are into artists talking about nonsense. Um, we have a weekly show called Art Brunch, which is a project within a project. I feel like the travel agency is like this Russian nesting doll that we haven't like fully unpacked yet. But Art Brunch is a weekly conversation with contemporary artists, art educators, or um, curators uh, that takes place every week that's focused around casual contemporary art conversation something that's really really necessary
0: that's so interesting I yeah I didn't know about all the different the different nests
1: Mm, yeah
0: and I yeah I have to admit I I do not understand twitch
1: it's so live media is super interesting I think first of all so the the live media that most people are familiar with in, that's entertaining is radio. Um, Cause radio, you know, you can listen to a talk show on radio and be kind of like riveted that this conversation is taking place in the moment. I think that's part of why people are uh, so in love with um, like talk, news talk uh, because it's, it's happening kind of as it goes. And recently everyone probably noticed, has noticed that like you can go live on Facebook, you can go live on YouTube, you can go live on Instagram, like all of these different things. And a lot of people that are uh, millennials, it's like really confusing and not a lot of people are interested in going live. But I really think that live content and live media is something... That's here to stay, and it's going to continue to be a really big part of our culture moving forward. Um, Twitch is the largest live streaming platform that it, that there is, and they gain they kind of gained their popularity through video game streamers, um, people playing Fortnite to a 9 year olds, or you know different things like that. But as as Twitch has grown, the interest. And some of the biggest Twitch streamers are people who have, like, there's a category called just chatting, people that just get on there and they just talk and they just talk to their audience and, you know, their audience wants to be with them. So I use Twitch because I think um, its infrastructure is really good. Like, a YouTube Live is more for people who are already established on YouTube to provide, like, a live content. opportunity to their subscribers and like facebook live is just like trash because there's no way to monetize it it's it's really difficult for creators to monetize facebook live and twitch provides like good quality infrastructure amazing organic reach and like a community of engaged users of that platform who are actively looking for communities to be a part of and there's a culture of like supporting communities on Twitch that doesn't exist on any of the other platforms. So that's kind of the quick breakdown, but it's, it's, like, a, uh, it's like a million storefronts all kind of offering something different with different people performing in the, all of these different ways. And if you're lucky and if you work really hard, amazing communities can appear around the work that you're making.
0: So it's almost like a longer version of, of TikTok where you can just like see what people are up to in that moment?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of that. Um, There are people who people do anything that you can imagine on there and are successful at it. Um, The big ones are definitely video games, but inside of video games, there are so many different kinds of video games. Um, Chess is actually really, really big on Twitch. Um, It's becoming like, that's there's this weird like resurgence of chess in popular culture right now in a lot of ways because of the popularity of blitz chess on Twitch and like uh, GM Hikaru Nakamura who is leading the way is like the top chess content creator in the world right now. He's the best in the world at playing three minute games of chess. So, so like, you know, the chess is huge. Um, people like walking around and talking to people is a big one logistical nightmare. And then there's an art category, which generally has between like 10 and 20,000 viewers. Um, and uh, you have everything there. The, the most popular things right now on Twitch art category or Twitch creative, I use this kind of interchangeably are um, people who are really good at like digital drawing, digital painting, um, as well as like traditional, traditional painters. Uh, but I'm betting on contemporary art finding its home in that space as well.
0: I think it's completely crazy and fascinating and wonderful how like the world is all of a sudden connected and mm. it's such an immediate way, like through the internet and having it live like that is taking it to another level.
1: Yeah, yeah. Being, being like with people and not being with them is really strange. So this whole idea existed before the the, C, the you know the C word, the big, the big you know the COVID thing that we're dealing with this year, and um, you know this idea was taking place before that because our, we're living in an increasingly connected world where our survival in so many different facets of our life, but creatively in particular, is really at risk and can be helped massively by creating or finding or supporting large creative communities that don't exist locally. Um, and it's really, I think it's really important to do that. I think, like, I'm a millennial, I was born in 1993. And I feel like I was, I feel like our generation had its coming of age with computers. But like, I was nine when I had my first computer. And a lot of people in our generation um, are very, like, tech fluent, but they're also like very reticent of, like, uh, merging with technology or letting letting, like, the camera be live in their room, whereas, like, kids grow up with the ability to, like, go live and, like, tell a joke that they heard, you know, like, whatever, like, nonsense I would do if I could have gone live on my phone on Facebook when I was nine to a bunch of my stinky friends, (laughs) you know, and they're, they're, like, so merged with it, and the generation before us, like, will never have the fluency that we have, but we're kind of in this, like, this pulling, this stretching between like merging completely with these online communities and these technologies and also like wanting to keep our distance because we remember a time like when we rode our bikes instead of like scrolling or, or whatever it is that we wanna insert there. We remember that, that was like a real experience for us. Whereas my cousin who was born in, uh, I should know this, 2006, never didn't have an iPad
0: yeah that's that's crazy I see it even uh, I'm 93 too oh my, nice my sister who's five or six years younger than me
1: mm-hmm.
0: is the same way She's completely immersed in the technology and it's like not we're not that far apart
1: it, it was it's a big difference though when like yeah I mean you're you're so right it, but it happened so quickly in the late nineties.
0: It really did. It was like I think growing like going through middle school with like barely having the internet on your phone. We didn't yeah. I don't think I had the internet on my phone. I think I had a I think I had email.
1: Maybe. Was... <laughs> Who were you emailing? <laughs> you Nobody. <know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and by the end of high school. I was, I was like watching YouTube videos on my Palm Centro, you know, and, and like that, that race of, uh, I think that race was so exciting. I don't, I don't feel that there's like as much of a race anymore, but you remember like, oh, this, this phone is doing this, like the sidekicks and I sound like an old man, right? you remember the sidekicks? <laughs> And then like the first iPhone came out and we're like, what is even, what even is this? And now it's just like, it's not, it's not as rapid. It's not as rapid as it was in the late nineties, early, early aughts.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think it's so smart how you're like fully integrating yourself with the technology and like keeping that in mind with how, Like how you want to create this community and connect other artists uh, because it can be so easy to just like want to try to shut it out Mm -hmm. so that's really cool thank
1: you yeah and i i think it's it's encouraging to have that feedback because it is it is kind of weird you know it is it is strange but often our creative practices do take us to strange places
0: Mm -hmm. Do you view that project like as a piece of work?
1: Yeah, it's weird because if I do say that I do, there are people inside of that project. So I think of it as a project because I don't, I don't want to like, I don't think of my work, I think of my work as like objects and not people. And then I think of this project as a project, but it is it is definitely coming out of my creative practice.
0: Yeah, kind of like the way that you're you're letting it letting it evolve and let all these different pieces unfold.
1: Mm-hmm. I am ready for total technological singularity though. So I'm I'm here for that whenever it happens. What
0: what does that mean?
1: Um, the technological singularity is when it's like this hypothetical situation where uh, scientists are able to scientists you know whatever but scientists are able to create an artificial intelligence that is smarter that is smarter than a human and then if we can create something that's Smarter and more capable than a human being, then that thing can much more quickly create something that's smarter than itself and that accelerates out of control um, into this like singularity of technology. That's the theory.
0: I don't know why. Maybe I'm in denial, but like I don't feel that coming. (laughs) Could, I could just be in total denial though i you know I claim to know nothing, but
1: <laughs> no, I think it's just some boyhood dream. I think it's just like and I don't even need to gender it really, but it's like this childhood dream of of like living in this this uh this technological future that at one point we all imagined um that didn't really come instead, we got this kind of weird dystopia,
0: I see. So you don't have fear around it?
1: No, I I mean, if it, I think it would be fun to participate in, um, in whatever ways humans will participate in that, if that does hypothetically come true. Uh, I think it, it's always much slower than we'd like it to be, so So I'm not, I I think that maybe that something like that can happen in our lifetime where at the end of life, um, say in 100 or 120 years being the end of my life that uh, the world is fundamentally different and appears very fundamentally different than it appears now.
0: Yeah. I I can, I can definitely see that coming. What, what do you think about these robots that are making art?
1: You know, it's, it's interesting, right? So it gets us into this conversation about what is art? Like, what is the fabric of art? If we want to hold that theme, you know, what, what is the fabric of art? And I have this view that isn't totally resolved, but entertainment is not inextricably or entertainment is inextricably tied to art is the hot take. That's my hot take is that like art is always intertwined with entertainment and that's, one of the main methodologies of like the commodification of art um, that exists outside of like the preservation of art as economy, but the commodification of art has a lot to do with its entertainment value. And I guess like, uh, I, I imagine this future in like the next five or 10 years where I create Um, I create or I get access to programs that uh, can through a neural net create bodies of work that are like synonymous with one another and that like um, as a part of like my creative practice I could create like five deep faked like painter identities on Instagram and this like computer program is constantly generating and, like, taking in, like, user input and feedback and trying to understand, like, how we can rig a, uh, a person into being, like, entertained and interested in a, in a piece of art. So I love that idea um, because, like, if it's entertaining, we have to do it because, like, the world runs on entertainment. And entertainment is, like, the most ethical business and the most ethical mode of consumption in capitalism. So if we can produce entertaining content and if we can be entertainers, then it's slightly better than working for the man. And it brings like power and joy to other people's lives without actually having to suck out the entirety of your soul. So um, I say like, yeah, give, I think every robot should have a paintbrush And uh, we should we should start considering robots' rights to create.
0: I like that. We have to start like a a robot painting campaign.
1: Yeah, I mean, but there is something to. There is something to having a human make something. There is something to that, though, but maybe it would help us figure out what that is.
0: Yeah, like the process of even categorizing or knowing where to put robot art. That would really be a whole <laughs> conversation in of itself, like, within the art world and, like, what what is the meaning of art and what, you know, what's the, the purpose?
1: Yeah, I'm just not an alarmist. And I think that, I hope that what I just said... um Every, you, that you understand that it comes from a place of like really deeply caring about my fellow creators. And I think that so many people would have like a sense of loss or anxiety or fear around like digitizing or using neural nets to create paintings. But I, I think that like, we're going to be okay. I, th- I think that, you know, we're, we're going to be okay. And, and like those things, do add value to the individual humans, like making work.
0: Yeah, I mean, it. I I think it's exciting. It mm-hmm. it doesn't doesn't freak me out. It, it just makes me think, like, how cool would that be if we could like partner up with a computer and have it be like half the computer's thoughts, and then like link it up to my brain and like mm. create an entire like virtual space. Um, yeah, you know, instead of just a two D Thing who knows?
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> I
0: think it sounds cool.
1: Are you are you interested in like the transhumanism movement? Would you get? Would you integrate your your brain with with robots if the technology was safe?
0: I am. I love to learn about it. I'm of the view that I will never do that. Mm. I. Yeah, I mean all power to anybody that wants to do it. Yeah. It just mm-hmm. seems like a bad idea. My gut feeling <laughs> is telling me I'm a human, I'm gonna honor the earth. Yeah. Let me be in the physical body I was born in. But <laughs> what do you think?
1: I don't know. I I mean I'd there'd have I'd have a lot of questions. I'd have a lot of questions about it. Um I guess I'm speaking like specifically about Uh, Elon Musk's proposed, like, Neuralink thing, whatever, whatever that is, where they wire um, electrodes into certain regions of your brain to, uh, I guess, at first, it's, it's um, a treatment for epilepsy, uh, which, heck, yeah, I'm all for that. Um, But I don't know, I, I probably, like, like to think I would be that guy. But I'm not sure in reality if I actually will be. It depends on, like, family and, uh, you know, like, if I have kids, then you have, to, you have to be a lot more careful, like, letting somebody just put electrodes in your brain.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I hear what you're saying. So you're kind of, like, open to being, like, the astronaut.
1: I would go – I would be – I'd be happy with being in the first 10,000 to 100,000 not the first 1 to 100 nor the first 1000 to 10000
0: okay i mean that you know that's that's still early early into the movement
1: it's not early enough if you want massive gains though you know you really got to be on that cutting edge if you, if you want to live a really really crazy life but i'm not sure that's what i want to do
0: that's an interesting thought though i guess going back to this idea of maybe like exploration or art in life. Mm-hmm. How, how do you personally balance like your art practice with practical everyday life?
1: This is something I'm really passionate about and not an expert on yet, but that's okay. I, I think that the practice is a practice of al- alignment. And um, to be a successful creative person, um, we have to really look with an open mind and with critical thinking skills at very granular aspects of our life and manipulate them in a way that has them often align with your goals and creativity. Uh, so that's the way that I manage it is, um, being a painter, being a visual artist or making an impact on art history is something I'm really, really interested in doing. And to do that, I have noticed that the more things in my life that point in that direction, even if they don't seem like they, sh- they, it's like a clear route, but the more things I can align into that direction, the better chance I have at, at reaching those successes.
0: Do you have some examples of things that you do every day?
1: Mm. Yeah, so... um The big ones are my relationships with other people uh, that I I maintain and manage more relationships than any introvert should. And uh, (laughs) and it's a constant struggle. Um, And the way that I do that is by being very selective. Gosh, this makes me sound so pretentious, but it's really not. It's just being very selective in the people that I spend time with people that I give mental space to people that I find myself anxious or worried about because being in a relationship with people often, you often find yourself needing support from them or needing to support them and all of those things require effort. So making sure that there are really clear boundaries in the relationships that I have um, and that you know, I spend, I spend my time with people as effectively as I can because at the end of the day, like I want, uh, I want my girlfriend Tiffany to know that I love her. It's like, if we get to the end of life and that much isn't clear, then there's a really, really big problem um, versus like not being successful in my career Uh, that's like easier to swallow than somebody you love not having an experience of knowing that you loved them. So yeah, just um, all the time, just really trying to support the people in my life in the best ways that I can. And receiving that support from them is like so incredibly important to a creative practice. Because like, my creative practice involves people and all of ours does. And if it doesn't now, it will at some point if you keep going for anybody. Um, I know yours does, Jasmine. But I know that you know when you're, just, when you're just beginning and you're just painting and drawing for yourself, you might not feel like it involves other people, but it does and it soon will involve more if you keep doing it. So those, those things are, are really how I keep, keep myself aligned
0: I think that's such an important reminder Mm. and I fully agree. I mean, I don't know how I would do any of the things that I've done in my adult life without loving support. people. Yeah.
1: There's, I mean, it's just like, it's so impossible. It's so, so impossible. And I, I think like, even reminding each other of that when when somebody's in a good position like I'm in a good position to remind people of that but talk to me in a couple of weeks and like that's probably not the first thing that comes to my mind you know the first thing might be like oh my gosh why is this person calling me right now i just want to i just want to like have some time but and that's okay too but you know i'd much rather be on the loving and connected side of things and and also like not just taking it but supporting people in, in their dreams too, to the effect that that also aligns with with my vision for my creative life.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I think it's so important to, like, as an artist, support other artists and, like, lift everybody up together. Do you have any, like, personal practices or self-care practices that you do that helps keep you like grounded?
1: Yeah. Um, I go to therapy. <laughs> I, I love therapy. I have a great therapist. Um, that's something that's pretty new. Uh, I have been in and out of therapy at different points in my life. And um, I started back up during covid the, during the pandemic crisis, and it's been really helpful for me for just so many different reasons um, so check that out shout out to therapy
0: <laughs> yeah i'll give a I'll give a secondary shout out to therapy yeah i I recently rejoined as well
1: oh congratulations
0: thank you It's a long long search to find someone again yeah. Like, I, you know, I had a good person, and then they were tired, and then I was like, oh, no.
1: It no. <laughs> must have felt like a loss.
0: I guess I'm thankful. It was, like, it was at a time where I wasn't going super regularly, and okay. I was kind of like, yeah, maybe I'll, like, take a break anyway.
1: Oh, okay. It's
0: always a comparison.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm glad it didn't find you at a time where that, like, added more you know i i wonder like to what degree <laughs> therapists yeah. think about that when they retire they're like okay everybody's good right now so i got to go
0: <laughs> no i know i never actually thought about that that's a good point i'm i'm feeling really really grateful for the timing now
1: yeah so i don't know i mean it seems to me that it's like impossible for somebody to have like resolved their practice and then like leave, but I don't know. Maybe maybe people are that good, maybe people are like that solid at it.
0: Well, now that I actually this was quite a few years ago, um, but I could keep going over the phone, and I just really it wasn't working for me. So, mm. yeah. I see. Now there's Zoom. I don't even think there was Zoom then. How weird is that?
1: That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Zoom That's weird. is like.
0: Maybe like five years ago. I don't know. I mean, also, I feel like if you're retiring, it's maybe, I don't know, maybe there were some technology issues. Oh, yeah. Not to make assumptions about different generations, but.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's mostly fair.
0: Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) So, yeah, I think I think that that's that's really important that you do that for yourself. Um.
1: yeah I mean I have other things as well if if um, I mean I just like all of the other things kind of pale in comparison to taking taking that leap like I journal daily um, which is really nice and uh, I try to um, one of my struggles in life is taking care of my body and time that I can systematizing schedule like taking care of my body um eating really well uh those periods of my life are periods that I'm very very productive and and very healthy and then it's like this self or it's like this reflexive thing is it like I've been a vegan now for about a year and um like I've only gotten healthier through that, that practice. And it's worked for me and it doesn't work for everybody, but you know, I went, I've done like keto and I did like macro counting and I've done all of these different ways of, of like adjusting the things that I ate. And eventually like I just landed on, on um, plant-based and it works for me. And it's like, those are the periods of my life where I'm I'm very productive and very happy is when I'm uh going that extra mile for my body
0: yeah I mean I think to be like to to really get into deep creative work you almost do have to have a certain amount of like all your basics covered Mm -hmm. or you know you'll be distracted by this or that it's Mm -hmm. interesting
1: yeah cuz if you were if you were trying to like tell somebody how to make your work you know it's like where do you start you know <laughs> like if somebody was like hey i just want to know like i want you to just give me like a rundown of uh how you make your work and like how i can get started making your work and it's like okay well like first of all you have to have a very particular childhood <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, Uh I'm glad that I've not yet. Well, if I've been asked that, I don't know, but I would probably deflect that to how can you make what this is for you? Yeah. Like I it's like going to look different, but it's going to have the same, you're going to go into it with the same energy, you're going to feel it the same way, and it's just going to come out and it's going to look totally different.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the move, because... Uh, I mean, I hope nobody would ask that question. It seems, it seems silly. But, but it's like, yeah, I mean, a lot of my work are these very, come from these like very specific times of my life or these very specific limitations that I had in certain times and um, like gifts and privileges that I've had like a surplus of, you know, that I'm, I'm very grateful for.
0: Do you have any advice that you'd give to your younger self?
1: Um, brush your teeth more. That's a good advice to my younger self. Just sort out your dental hygiene. Uh, teeth don't grow back. Uh, <laughs> um, and then also, like that one's that one's serious. But like on a on a different note, it's. Um, Oh man. It would be probably something along the lines of you are enough and like let let your weirdness out more and like you'll be so surprised at the things that happen around you when you do that
0: yeah I totally I totally agree I know I was super super shy I'm still probably considered shy but Mm -hmm. I was like painfully shy as a even all the way almost through half my teenage years Mm -hmm. so no one got to see how weird I was
1: and that's their loss. I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you were to embody a piece a piece of fruit, what what would it be?
1: It I'm just going to go quick on this one because I love bananas. Like I just love bananas. I don't Uh, it's so strange to me to think (laughs) so one day I just got to thinking like are there people in the world that don't like bananas because it's like such a crazy just an inconceivable thought to me that somebody doesn't like bananas and I like googled it and like yeah like millions of people don't like bananas Um, so that's like how far and off the deep end I am with liking bananas, is that I just don't, I like them so much that I think it's impossible for someone to not like them. Um, But I don't know what that says about me. I think the immediate analogy would be hard, exterior, soft, gooey, center, uh, peelable, Um, (laughs) and yellow, I think, (laughs) are the things that might... (laughs) impact my you know might might tell you something about my personality but i just love them so much i can't imagine picking anything other than that
0: yeah is, it's is kind this of where like, you
1: tell me that you pay bananas uh
0: i'm not i'm not the greatest banana fan but i don't it, hate them i i <laughs> will eat one but i i do not buy them when i oh. go to the grocery store i don't i don't it's seek them out
1: inconceivable to me i buy like three bundles of bananas a week like i eat like one to two bananas a day and it's my favorite part of the day
0: <laughs> yeah well.
1: so now i know that about you non-banana I'll, I'll, buyer I'll,
0: I'll, I'll go eat one this weekend
1: yeah do that do that for me
0: i i do eat them when they're around there there are a lot of I actually don't really eat that many fruits or don't buy that many fruits
1: Mm. okay
0: but I eat them when they're there.
1: <laughs> That's good. Fruit <laughs> is good. Bananas, I think, are are the best. I think they're the most notorious fruit in the world, personally.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Go bananas.
1: <laughs> yeah. go. <laughs> Shout out to Gwen Stefani.
0: Do you have anything that you're so curious about right now that it, like, keeps you up at night?
1: Oh, um, it's probably a, a very lame businessy answer here. Uh, but yes, I mean, like, I have this, like, love for content creation. And, like, I love making posts on Instagram and seeing how people react to them. It's super nerdy. But I just think it's so fascinating how you put this like you're sending like this message in a bottle down a stream and and people are like yeah i like that message you know like and who shows up to like the the riverbed to like wave from the shore to your message it's really interesting and uh i don't know it feels like a code it feels it feels like engineering um and not in like a for me, it's not about like conversion or about like motivating the viewer. it's it's about uh, providing the viewer with something that they like authentically like, not just like building fake community around like uh like for like kind of vibe, which like shout out, you know, more power to you if that's if that's how you get a jump start because like it's hard to get traction. It's hard out here to like. Get people to like your stuff, you know. So, you do you have to do whatever you can do for a long time. But right now, like sometimes I'll just be laying in bed and I'll be like, Oh, well, will they will people like it better if it's a video? Would be more valuable to them if it's a reel? Like, what are Instagram reels? They should start playing with Instagram reels because like they're new and like no one's figured them out yet. Uh, but people have definitely figured them out. So, that's what keeps me up at night. How to make 30 second videos that people actually like.
0: <laughs> I like that you're framing that within the mindset of like what what is going to most benefit the viewer. Mm. Which seems obvious, but I can't say I've ever heard anyone say it so clearly.
1: Oh. <laughs> that's the that's the love, you know? I mean, it's like it's just what, what are we, what are we doing this for? I, I thought that's, you know, like I thought that's what we were doing it for.
0: Well, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'm just away. so confused. Uh, I No, mean-
1: it's not you. It's not you. I don't think. I, I don't, I don't mean to like point that at you, but, but yeah, I think, I think that we've all like lost track of, of that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I would, no, I was just thinking like, I, th- think that my social media is mm-hmm. mostly like a recording mm. like almost like scribe like 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 the archives for the aliens just like yeah. oh hey i'm here this is what i did today mm-hmm. which i can see how yeah i'm gonna think about that a little bit more is that what everyone really wants to see or not i don't know
1: yeah and you have to be careful with it obviously because it's like. Well, if you if you start to get into the mix of like am i what people want to see that is like a that's a dark hole that's not what yeah, i like to think about yeah. before bed
0: <laughs> no 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 it sounded fun it sounded like oh do, you know does this you know, do the viewers want to see like a description of my painting or do mm-hmm. they want to see the me talk about the feeling of the painting like that's something that mm-hmm. just a curious little difference
1: yeah and i also have this problem of saying something really good and then just like shortly thereafter just like tearing it to shreds to the point that it doesn't have impact anymore so we'll you know if people want to hear hear my unadulterated view on that just just skip back a little bit these aliens if the aliens are were struck by that the first time let that be your memory of what i said let that be your memory of me
0: Okay. I I think it's a good thought.
1: Thanks.
0: (laughs) I do. So along the lines of that, do you have any kind of like big dream project? Mm. And I don't mean to like neglect the giant project that you have. That could be your dream project.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In a lot of ways it is, Um, which is like super scary to say uh it's like way easier when your dream project remains a dream um so so yeah i'm gonna shout myself out and just say that like i think what i'm doing right now is really powerful and um and like could has has the legs to take me through my life if everything continues to align um I actually don't have any idea how it would stop, nor do I want to find out. So I knock on wood, but, um, it it has the legs to, to take me, to take me through the next 20 years, um, 30 years, maybe to retirement, whatever that looks like in our post technology world. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's that, but like, the dream inside of that dream is building, you know, building an amazing community of of people that are deeply invested in the success of each other, and to build that family, and um, and to experience whatever that looks like, you know, with with like. I don't know, 10 or 50 or 100 or whatever it ends up being artists that, you know, become a part of that family, become a part of that community or part of that movement. Just the experiences that would, you know, the, the wealth that's shared and the experiences that we open up to one another through acts of collaboration. Um, I think that, like, that's the dream inside of the dream is, you know, my friend, who was an artist resident who I have a lifelong friendship with us going to Italy together. Like that's, that's, that's really just kind of the dream inside of the dream is friends and fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. Friends, friends, fun and an art.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And evolution. It sounds like.
1: Yeah. Growth is a part of it too. It is a part of it. It can't, it can't be too much the focus of it. But, you know, it grows. I don't want to be, like, dumping fertilizer on it because then you're going to get some weird mutation.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. There is, there's like, an appropriate rate. I think slow growth is way more fun, too, tends to be mm-hmm. when it comes to anything.
1: Yeah, just, like, so completely, like unpredictable though (laughs) you do you have plants
0: i have one plant that i water every two weeks
1: there you go um with with my plants they'll like not do anything for so long sometimes and then i'll see like a little sprout and then like the next day it's like fully formed and unfurled and i'm like oh look at you go What happened there? And then other times they just grow really slowly.
0: Yeah, no, I know whenever I've like grown a lot mentally, Mm. it has not been that fun. Like it's been a wonderful thing on the other side, but it wasn't fun during the process. Oh, I see. That's kind of what I was thinking.
1: Yeah, that like stretching. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, those those moments exist too for sure
0: do you have any other thoughts that you you'd like to share words of wisdom for any other artists out there
1: Hmm. oh i don't know i'm gonna try to just throw something strange out there As i i talk about this stuff all the time, and and sometimes I I get into like my own patterns of speech. So let me me, me think of something fun.
0: Yeah, take your time.
1: Um, Yeah, so you should make like whatever order of magnitude that you're thinking about making, if it's paintings or sculptures or writings or poems or films, or balloon animals like you should make at you should write down the number that you think you should make and then you should multiply that by 10 or by 100 and you should like hope to make that many and then when you do that when you make that many then you'll probably have like an an okay idea about what you're doing and (laughs) and I just I think that like I mean, you're Jasmine, you are like a good example of that, is that like you make tens of paintings. I think I've seen probably like 100 or hundreds of your paintings um, or iterations of your paintings. And like, it's really easy to say that this next one has to be good but like when you're when you're when you're in your creative practice and you feel like the next one has to be good, like commit to yourself to make ten more after that one. Or in your practice, when you feel that these next ten need to be really good, commit to yourself to make a hundred and start to figure out like how you're actually gonna do that because that's where the real work begins. yeah.
0: I love that. Thanks. And I have to admit that I I still don't know what I'm doing most of the time.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Just have to admit that one, but yeah, t- making a lot does take the pressure off that one.
1: Mm. Do you think you've made hundreds of paintings?
0: Absolutely. I tried to count thousands? one time. <laughs> no, not thousands.
1: Okay. Hundreds. But close. Close to a thousand probably.
0: Yeah, I mean, it depends what you count. Like, I'm looking over here. I have this pile of, like, little four-by-four-inch ones. I count If them. I literally counted everything, may- yeah, maybe. Maybe. Well, I, I think that,
1: uh, yeah, and that's not to, like, brag or big-dog anybody. But, like, y- you're figuring it out, you know? I th- I think you are. I think you're figuring it out. and And that comes from, like, making the work. And... Like, one is never going to do it for you. Like, no matter how good, it's so terrible, right? It sucks so bad that, like, you can have this amazing idea for peace. And you're like, this is the one. Like, this is the one that everybody's going to love. And if you can even, like, get that one off, you know, like, if that pressure doesn't, like, completely ruin it and you produce it, it's like... One is, is very, very... I mean, it's, it's like so rarely enough that it's just not even helpful to talk about. Like a hole in one is just so rare that it's, it's not a part of the conversation at the PGA Tour. Um, but like... Um, are you there? Am I frozen?
0: Yeah. Just for a second. You're still here. Hey, everyone. We did get cut out here for a moment. But I found this really awesome quote. Creativity is allowing oneself to make mistakes. Art is knowing which ones to keep. Scott Adams. Um, but yet, I, I keep most of them. Slush. Probably all of them. Anyway, back, back to the conversation here. So I really liked what you were saying. And fully agree.
1: Thanks. Yeah, I just, I think that the, the, um, that making one thing, making the one is just never going to work. And like, I hate to be the person to break it to people, but like, I will do it because I want to see more. I want people to feel motivated to make more and that for them to know that like, they'll be, I, I know it's hard. It's very hard, but they'll be better received with ten or hundred or a thousand than they are with one. They'll be so much more close to the thing that they are looking to achieve with a thousand than with a hundred. And for painters, like you haven't started painting until you've painted a thousand, and then and then the work then the work has really began. And I am not there. But like, I don't know, that's my challenge. You know, that's that's my challenge to myself is I need to figure out how to make a thousand of these.
0: I think that's a good challenge. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I also, I will, since we're on this topic, I will also bring up yeah. that I have a lot of like internal struggle and internal resistance about the amount of work that I make. Um, a lot of it is like for... environmental reasons and just like I feel like I'm Mm -hmm. taking up space which is this really Mm -hmm. I don't know if other people have this but I'm always like oh I'm buying all these materials and like leaving this like giant footprint like why does my ego need to do this and I go on this whole tangent Um, but then eventually I turn around and I make the things anyway eventually so Mm -hmm. I just wanted to share that in case anybody else is struggling or people that think that it's easy. I mean, I'm sure people have different, different challenges and different blocks around it. Like fear of messing Mm -hmm. up the canvas or whatever it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I am, um, I also think of like this like post environmental, I have this like post environmental uh, idea of that, like, well, first of all, like I do, I have certain practices in my life that assure me that I'm having, I'm not having as, uh, harsh of an impact on the environment that other people are. So we can offset that in other ways, um, to get on my veganism high horse, Yeah, you know, cause that's what vegans do. It's like that offsets, like for me, like I'm using really dangerous materials, really caustic, like carcinogenic paints and like made with all of these like industrial processes. Um, But like, I have these, I have these stop gaps, I have these other ways that I offset. And, uh, and that's like part of the practice, you know, I think for you, it's, it's like, yeah, it's a lot of material. But I just have to say that, like, the impetus is on the producer of the material to make these materials um, biodegradable to make these materials easy to recycle. And it's not even Canvas. Canvas isn't really the issue. It's like, you know, I think it, the impetus really needs to get put onto these companies that are ravaging our land to make cheap product um, packages to increase their bottom line, and that there are no alternatives in the market for the consumer, that that is the real racket here. Yeah. And the individual consumer has responsibility, but only within the means of them. And people living in poverty don't have the ability to buy salsa in a glass jar, be based on its like environmental impact when like these people are hungry. <laughs> so
0: no, I think that's an important point. And I'm hundred percent sure that there's something like deeper to it, like about the taking up space or this accumulation oh, yeah. of you know something
1: it is you expressed something. on the outside <laughs> and that that's always that's always hard but it seems like you've been you've been fighting that fight for a while and pretty valuable
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean keep keep showing up that's awesome <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing all of this these Inter- very interesting thoughts. We've touched upon so many, so many things like robots, the future, art. <laughs> um, I'm seriously so excited to see where this project goes. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I'm really interested in community building and like the future of the internet, which mm-hmm. I will tell you is like one of the reasons I am doing the podcast is because. Mm of how so many different kinds of people can like all come together and be in this one like virtual space of Mm -hmm. the podcast. And like, what does that mean to the future? I have no idea. So I see some similarities. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And we would, we would love to have you on art brunch sometime too. So uh, the invitation is extended and we can talk about that more when we're off the air.
0: Oh, thank you. I would be honored honored to join yeah. for sure and I do have one last question for you Uh huh. Um, so lately there's been this new tradition of giving the listeners a challenge to okay. take on for the week I know you said something about painting 100 paintings but how about <laughs> we're not going to give that to, <laughs> to everyone
1: <laughs> it's a bit much I'm not that rude
0: so for the week what's one challenge that you'd like to to send out
1: are there any parameters to it?
0: Absolutely not.
1: Okay. Well, okay. So for those people who are interested in having an experience and who are listening to this podcast, um, humans or aliens, the you have to agree to do the challenge before I tell you what the challenge is. And then you know so in in yourself in your own internal dialogue monologue if you have one some people don't but indicate affirmatively that you're going to do it or that you're not going to do it because um you can't do it after i say it if you haven't agreed
0: okay let's give them a pause okay so you can make sure okay guys if you're out there this is your chance now do you agree yes or no
1: And I respect either answer. So the the challenge is first to eat a banana over the next week. I think that's really important. And the second thing is to, this is the important one, is to interact in a public way with three people that you know and admire who are artists, either on social media or with a phone call or by telling somebody with your words and forcing them to look at this person and to consider them because it's really important for us to like be actively showing each other how important we are to one another and that's something that I'm going to do this week and something that I hope to do every week is just really simple just show just tell three people that uh, give them like real feedback genuine supportive feedback on what they're making um, and if you and I guess the bonus points are is if you do that publicly with a comment or you do that publicly with an Instagram story or something like that so that's my challenge. I
0: think that that's more important now uh, than ever with the loss mm-hmm. of a lot of places where artists and makers and creative people um, are, are kind of used to being being acknowledged or or seen or having a show to look towards or some kind of more just a little bit of recognition Mm. just to be like thank you for being there
1: yeah yeah you nailed it
0: so thank you for that challenge and thanks again thanks again for joining the archives archives for the aliens
1: it was so awesome. I, I really appreciate it. And um it's not every day. It's it's a very rare thing that I'm able to uh speak so freely about all of these like, you know, building bridges between all of these these topics and that's that's the space that you create here, which um was, was really nice for me tonight.
0: Oh yes, that that is a hundred percent one of my, my goals, like yeah, freedom, freedom of topics, freedom of speech, um, and a space space to explore yourself.